before you get into episode three, we've noticed that the mics and the sounds is not at the highest quality. So please be patient with us. Next episode, we'll make sure that we've got proper mics and it's much easier for people to hear. Either way, enjoy the episode and let us know what you think. Okay. <laughs> episode, episode three of the conversation with Joe and Kareem. Well, actually, with Kareem and Joe. <laughs> Priorities. Um, today, we've got a special guest, Thomas Saliba, ex national team player, uh, based up in Manchester. Um, I'd like to go with retired mm. national team. Yes, player. sorry, retired. Official retired? Right, where's this win coming from now? Is that you? Un- un- That's definitely That's definitely Saliba. I'm, I'm sat in the garden, what do you expect? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It sounds like you were in a tornado. Mate, it's just it a gentle like, It wasn't like this five breeze. minutes ago. It picked up a little. Mm. Oh, Still Amy Crystal, though. Not going to be good for the millions of fans. <laughs> <laughs> the, the millions. millions. The millions. To be, to be, fair, to be fair, to be fair, I, 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 I don't know if I was telling you, Joe, but, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit scared out how the fame is going to come on pretty quick. Oh, here we go. I'm getting like two or three new followers on Instagram a day. So, <laughs> the views are up to double digits. You got an open profile? Yeah, that's the problem. I think it's going to private. It's all, it's all the lads, isn't it? So, Can't keep enough of you. Uh, Can't get enough of that tash. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, before we, um, we were chatting, chatting off air, we talk, case. yeah. We talk about how I'm the second most capped player. No, it's not. Tired, isn't it? Joint second with Tuma. You in second? I think yeah. was there. Yeah, you've got twenty. We've got sixteen. Uh, and then I think next best is Robin with fifteen. Well, Robin's Robin, fucking evergreens. Uh, so he'll go till he's fifteen. Well, Robin, Robin. Um, I don't. What he missed twenty thirteen, didn't he? He's missed a couple, Robin. Yeah, so I don't know how he'll be. He'll be the Finnans, probably, wouldn't it? Uh, no, not the Finnans. Finnans only started 2013. Yeah, so they got 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. One of them took a knock, though, at one yeah, point. 12. Yeah, okay, so they'll probably be on like 12, 13 each one. Nice one, Probably, that. yeah, 13, 14, maybe. Yeah, it won't be far off. They've well, got, got the Malaysia yeah. ones as well. Yeah, that'll be. That'll be taking one, yeah, so Tooms, um, Thomas, Thomas, Tom asked you about your shoulder. How's that going? Yeah, I don't know. It's all right. It's a bit. I'm still a bit funny about it. I mean, so this is twelve weeks post second surgery. Okay, so, so the just knows listening. Post, what happened yeah. to your shoulder? Right. So if we roll back September two thousand eighteen, mm. no, to, to, oh, God, so, yeah, two thousand eighteen, tore a rotator cuff from my shoulder. In a pre-season, well, it was August actually in a pre-season game. Um, had to go under the knife. That's the first time I've ever had surgery. First time I've ever really been injured. You know, thirty-two now, and that's the first time I'd say I've been out for more than a month. Uh, had surgery on a rotator cuff uh, that took about six months to recover. Came back in the when was it? When was ARC in, in nineteen March or April? Uh, so it was like 
2018 was it? 2019. 2019 was April. Yeah, Yeah. so literally my first game back was our first game in that ARC against the advice of my physio. Just put a load of tape on it. The first time I hit contact was in our first training session and I was just like... One of the boys, okay, you're gonna have to run on my shoulder. I need to see if I can take a take a tackle on this. <laughs> so that was nervous times. So um, didn't play a hundred percent. You know, definitely was holding back a bit in that first game. Played 50 minutes, and then played yeah the rest of the season out. A few games, played some county stuff, and then played the start of the you know last season, this season, uh, and then pre-corona. pre-corona and then in November, in the gym, benching, you know, about 250k, obviously. Classic. That was a lot less than that. And, like, yeah, last rep, you know, on a weight which I, you know, heavy but comfortable with. And it just, heck, just ripped off the bone, basically. The rep, weight landed on top of me. A couple of guys Fuck in the gym man. had to come over and take the weights off. And, uh, and then, yeah, pet came off. So I had to have surgery on that. What hurt more? Your peck or your pride? Uh, oh, mate, it was horrible at the time. Because, you, you know, like, in a game, you do something, it happens in an instant, you get up and you're like, oh, what the hell was that? Yeah. And you're like, your adrenaline's pumping. Whereas this, like, I was pushing the weight out and then I could just feel it tearing and there was nothing I could do. And other than, you can just, you're not quite sure what's happening at first. Yeah. And then suddenly you realise and you just drop the weight. But it's like, you're in that, you've got that couple of seconds where you're just in the moment and it's happening. Um, so yeah, that tour had an MRI, had a, had had surgery by you know one of the top guys. Guys done, he does all the England guys and stuff. Uh, and then I don't know, it just wasn't quite healing right. Didn't look right. There was a like a a, a bit of a, a tendon that looked to be sticking out, and had um had it reassessed again, and it still wasn't healing properly. It was it was torn a little bit again. So when under the knife again back in February and I basically said to him look while you're in there I've, you know I've still I've got problems with my shoulder and stuff and can you have a have a look around and he so he's gone in like you know I've gone in the surgery come out and he's like yeah so we fixed the pec uh, we also found a tear, tear in your rotator cuff and a tear in your bicep as well so we've done a bicep tendon notice so I basically had a MOT on the whole area and this is 12 weeks post that now. And yeah, it still feels a bit weird. Like did some kneeling press-ups the other day and um, I definitely don't feel confident on it. Just, um, I don't know, it feels like it's going to, this just feels really tight or it's going to, just paranoid is going to tear again or something. Maybe it's normal. Maybe I just, you know, when I've been in lockdown, I haven't had access to good, you know, progressive dumbbells or anything like that. So I'm just trying as much as I can to make weights from bottles and bands and combinations of bands. And I've got one, sort of seven and a half kilo dumbbell which I'm trying to factor in and use somehow um, but yeah not I mean normally I've got an ARC you know an ARC or something to look forward to but I'm not I guess I've not really pushed, pushed it because I've not um, got something to come back for so I'm just kind of taking it easy and not risking it do you think the so, shoulders um, are sort of a recurrence of like I don't know, injuries some you sustained when you're in your sort of Welsh international tennis days. <laughs> Definitely. I, mean, I reckon, yeah, I reckon this all stems from some basis of, you know, me slamming down serves, me thinking I'm amazing, <laughs> and a 15, 16 year old just 
banging downstairs with everything in my arm. Just probably wrecking my shoulder. In the Welsh Philippusis, I heard. Playing play, play, <laughs> even as a bitch, mate, it was. Uh, just playing all summer and yeah, poor flexibility and yeah, I reckon it's just a overtime, it's just torn and then the one injury probably leading to the other and just a weakness definitely in that area. Yeah. So, do you think uh, that um, when you did, because you were like well into your crossfit in the in your first few day, first few tours of uh, mm. Lebanon rugby, do you think that would have made it worse or that helped it, that strengthened it, that worked on the flexibility and stuff or? Or that it's uh, completely irrelevant. Uh, I don't. I don't think it helped. Uh, you know, I was always. You say you're saying CrossFit's bad. <laughs> Lost it. To be fair, mate, I love CrossFit, but for well, certain aspects of it. Let's we, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, I got things to. You know, we can talk about that. But mate, you, you remember me, Cage? When we were, I was always. I couldn't do anything overhead. Like overhead, I, I, yeah. I can't. I can't press a like a, just an Olympic bar overhead and keep it there over my head. Like, because my arms don't get go straight up over my head. Mm. So I couldn't do any handstand press-ups. You know, kipping pull-ups would hurt me, my shoulder. and So I always had some problems there, and CrossFit definitely didn't help. Well, I'm not mm. bagging CrossFit. I loved, you know, a lot of elements of that, especially just, you know, workouts, just ruining yourself in the workout. There's other things in CrossFit which I didn't, didn't really like. Um, mm. But no, I don't think it helped. I probably, probably, made, probably made it worse if I gone full into it but I managed it myself like I wouldn't do anything that I knew no would hurt it yeah oh, about you please because you've never and this is obviously not trying to bag on you or anything but you've, you've never been a guy that loves the gym never been the the guy who's heavy into like you know doing a bunch of workouts going for a 10k run or anything like that but you've always had a you always turn up in decent shape you've always got that bit of strength um you know what 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 do you say that's uh was it, would that be a, a reason for why you never really get injured? That's because that's he's always lent pre-championship. Pre yeah, true. <laughs> I've got like a die game. No, you know what? Like, because, uh, I mean, I've played rugby for freaking how many years? Like nearly 25 years. So you build, I don't know, with rugby, I feel like you end up building like game stamina just by playing. So I've, no, I've never felt the need to go and do five 10K runs or get on a bike for 45 minutes because I don't enjoy the cardio. Anyone that says they enjoy it fucking blows my mind. But um, I'd rather I'd rather build cardio through game time and playing and training than through endurance, you know, programs or whatever. And then the whole gym thing, like, you know, the I do go to the gym to build strength. And, you know, it peaks and troughs with me. I go through stages where I can go, sort of two, three, four times a week. When I was mate, before I met my bird, I was going like all the time. Do you know what I mean? I was in prime shape. And um that was probably my peak of my playing career, sort of early like mid twenties. Uh and then since uh, I've got older and um like and everything and with the level of, that we play at, well I play at, sort of it never commanded that you would be not only training twice a week and playing on a Saturday but then also in the gym sort of three four times a week outside of that so sort of the, the sort of the balance in terms of lifestyle I guess you just need to make it work that said I eat like a fucking savage so if problem is if I don't do something I just get stack the weight on like the Mediterranean genetics yeah. just aren't built to burn like especially as you get older like especially since I turned 30 I noticed how much harder it was to keep the weight off um 
So naturally, whenever I mean during the playing season, I'm always in okay shape anyway, and the match fitness is there. And like Tim said, or like you said, I don't pick up massive injuries. I broke my nose a couple of seasons ago; it set me back a bit. But other than that, uh, I tend to be okay. And I've, you know, I'm like for a warm up, I'm quite strict with myself and make sure I'm loose and that. But uh, you carry weight quite well. You know, if you do put on weight, you put it in like right places. Yeah. You know, get thick legs, thick shoulders, thick arms. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, at my heaviest, like, I'm not a big guy, as you know, height-wise. But my heaviest, mm. I'm up to, like, freaking 94, 95 kgs. Fighting weights probably should be around 87, 88. But I end up sort of, these days, hovering around the 90, 91 number, and I'm okay with that. It's a good playing weight for me. And I've sort of, where I used to be an outside back and used to be Wheels McGee, like, at club level, I played 10 or 12. So, um I'm happy being inside and just making things. I've got enough, still got enough about me to sort of get through a game line and um, look after myself. But yeah, probably not got the wheels that I used to. Um, one question I've got for you then. So obviously you said you, you never really liked the fitness part of it or the conditioning part of it. And people that say they like it, you just didn't understand. <laughs> so say say you went back when you were 17, 18 years old and you, you know, you've had, you've got all the talents in the world. You've still got the same mindset. And you got offered, you know, to be put in a professional rugby environment. Would you have taken it, knowing what you would have to do as a professional? Oh rugby yeah, million percent. Maybe as... the guilt, the 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 discipline of the fitness and the eating and yeah. all this stuff. No, definitely. I think a job's a job, you... bro. And you know, like my own job that I have, I take that one hundred percent serious, and whatever that comes with that. So, at the end of the day, if it's a profession, then yeah. you know you want to excel at it. At the end of the, well, that said, you know, rugby is not my profession. I still want to excel at it, but it's different when you're not being paid for it. Um, that right. said, international honours, there's no there's no higher honour in my opinion. So actually, when it comes to anything remotely related towards Lebanon rugby and ARC, I'm 100% committed. I do the need for you know yeah. you know, Steve sends out all the pre train the yeah. pre tour, like fitness tests and stuff. And I was other than maybe Steve Perry or Imad, you know, I was still sending my, getting my results in and, and making improvements. So now I get the graft done. Yeah. And I think like you say, the yeah. thing is, it was when I was, I mean, I'm old, mate, I'm 35 this year, but when I was, uh, when I was sort of late teenager playing first 15 and I was, you know, good, I was playing county rugby um, and like first 15, a really good, like, you know, a good school for rugby and stuff. It was quite clear that, uh, sort of my growth had started to slow off and it was just at about, about that time when rugby started to really bring in like proper athletes in every position so yeah. you know I was quicker you know I was strong for my size I was you know a good footballer had all the sort of natural talent if I say so myself but I just didn't have the natural size compared to some of the other big lads so that sort of at that point I was like you know what I'll never make it because I haven't got the natural size and it's, it wasn't a weak mindset I was just I suppose realistic about the fact that you know usually in this day and age if you're not sort of really being picked up around 16 17 it's it's a lot harder to cut it um that said I mean you can still go to uni get England get England unis and or get sort of uh, honours later on in life and play a very good level of sort of even semi-professional in the UK but uh yeah. you know like I say, at that point, I made a different lifestyle choice. I went to uni, played more social rugby than sort of uh, varsity rugby because it was just full of gimps in varsity. Up there on arses, trained way too much for for 
what was being delivered. And at the time, it just didn't work out for me. And I was keen to sort of get my career going and, and come out of uni with that. Um, but yeah, still love my rugby. Like I say, I've played every season since I was 10, 11. Until this year, well, I'm saying that I was playing this year pre corona. Um, what position were you playing in? Yeah. Okay. Ah, yeah. And you've never had any like serious injuries, like you said, just that broken had, nose? Um, just nothing broken other than, yeah, my nose. I've had, you know what, I've had just typical rugby injuries like thumbs, fingers, um, and then I've had a couple of muscles. I, I remember. One of the most painful injuries I've ever had, other than I've been hearing my nose break, which was fucking horrific, um, was when my calf went. And it was, yeah, I was playing, I was down in London playing for Finchley. And, mate, I was about six minutes into the game and um, my calf went. And honestly, I felt like someone had shot me in the leg. I feel like if I've never been shot, I feel like if I was shot in the calf, it's exactly what it would feel like. It was horrendous. And I couldn't even, I couldn't walk on it. I was on a crutch. It was that bad. The pain was that bad. It just completely ripped. And that was, that was a good 11, 12 weeks by the time I got back to it. Real proper strength. It was devoured. Especially with your calf. Hey? Especially with the size of your calf. That muscle would have been huge. Yeah, cheers, mate. I know. Yeah, I don't think, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, really. I've never had any. I was going to say, <clears throat> I was going to say, you got the Jamalji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to remember really... you sent the text. Oh, boys, I think I, I think I broke my ankle on the weekends. You know, it shows a picture of you in like a moon boot next week playing. Classic. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never really had anything. Even as a kid, like you, I think a couple of like yeah. sprained ankles, and that's probably because I've, I fell down the steps leaving the changing room yeah. rather than actually playing. Um, but it's only, it's only like this bicep. That's that's the only thing I've really. I've ever done in terms of uh, injuries. To be fair, you know, I'm not really around the contact that much. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, limits the, it limits the amount of time I can get injured. Um, I guess your bicep, yeah. the biceps, anyone I remember. I mean, I, I had never, you know, touched, never had anything until this, that first You know what, Kate? The only thing I remember about you was your back. I remember 2015, you had a bad back, I remember. I, I've always had problems yeah. with my lower back. I think that could be just because I just don't stretch or my hamstrings are tight and stuff like that. But it's never it's it's never been it's never been an issue where yeah. I, like, I can't play. It stops me when I'm doing fitness. Yeah. You know, after like you know, because like especially when we had that old coach. Yeah. Remember Robbie Yule? You know him before like 2010 or went to the um, World uh, World University Championships for seven. He did like he wanted us to do like a, a twelve minute time trial, just how how far yeah. can we go in twelve minutes? And you know, it was a couple of k in, and all of a sudden, my just lower back yeah. just yeah, it just went shot. Yeah, and I just and I couldn't breathe. You know that part when your lower back just kills yeah. you, you just can't breathe. Um, since then, it's just any time I do anything really really long, I still get that lower back pain. So. You know, that's what, but it's, I'm surprised nowadays when I'm doing like my 5Ks, 10Ks or 20Ks, I'm not getting any back pain. So it must be that I've just strengthened it over time and it's just, um, it's How's it Because like, I know your knee was giving you problems, wasn't it? Yeah, that's fine. Once I did that, once I took care of it for those two or three months before that Dubai 7s, oh, I perfect. never really got it again. Have you got proper, um, yeah. like, um, form trainers with insoles and stuff that, 
that you're running? What's the... Nah, man, I just use those rebound no, it? Okay. I want to get mine, like, I want to get mine, you know, when they watch you on a treadmill and they give you, say how, uh, you know, how you run, where your feet are and stuff, what's it called? Yeah. Um, your feet are weird, your feet are weird, so you yeah, probably better. Yeah, exactly. That's probably why I got yeah, exactly. back stuff. Because you see, you see all my trainers, like, they, how they're worn, it's just like a massive angle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you see me try walking flip-flops, like... Mate. Shop. Um, yeah, all right, too. So you put down a couple of topics that you wanted to discuss. Um, so the first one that I feel on this is Bill getting selected. So is that obviously that Bill Gates? No, Gettin mate, on, Bill right? Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's on four tonight. Uh, yeah, um, mate. So what's your thought on, well, on him being surprised, selected? Mate. I mean, it was going to happen, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just gone. The way it is, Six Nations voted for him, and you know, Peter wasn't going to get looking unless one of them defected. Uh, but I don't know, mate. I just hope we'll get some sort of change from it. I, I still can't believe like some of the tier two blocks voted for him, like Rugby Europe and some of the um, Pacific Islanders and stuff nations. I thought they would have backed kind of the more tier two or the you know emerging rugby nation focus that that sort of Peter had. I'm not sure what kind of backroom deals and stuff have gone on, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what his vision is. He says he wants a more global game and and to, to promote more tier two rugby. So we'll see. I'm not sure, you know. What about me? Yeah, he's from your boy, isn't he? But Beaumont, he's from your way. Yeah, he's a northern lad, but he's um. I mean, obviously, he's a legend of the game. So, not that it was... To be fair, I've never, you know, I've never even heard of him yeah. before World Rugby. The what, really? Beaumont? Not even from, like, um, Question Sport. Or <laughs> John and Emma Rugby? No. I mean, he's a, you he's know a full-on legend. He's one of the on, on John and Emma Rugby. Mate, I've, I've never even heard yeah, of him before. I mean, he's a proper... Like, he is a legend of the game. Um, so, he's a, you know, he's a relatively... It's like having a Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson. You know, he's an iconic figure to have at that level. It's, I don't know. I just think I hope that, like Toom says, he helps um, bring it on a bit. Because you could argue that you know, the the tier one has been so static for a while. It took Japan so long and so much investment to get to get where they are now. And you know, are they even considered tier one still? Are they even and sorry considered tier one? Who now? Japan. No, not technically. Tier yeah, one exactly. is only the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship, I think. Exactly, but then look at the shows they've been putting on the last two World Cups. Mm. Well, I mean, um, yeah, beat, beat Ireland, beat Scotland. Well, Bill exactly, Bill beat South Africa. Yeah, well, Bill Beaumont said, said now, and he... Bill Beaumont said now that he's going to make um, Japan their yeah. tier, a tier one nation. So maybe, you know, that was a, a deal Yeah, that he's he not struck. daft. You know, he'd be ultimately a bit of a... He'd be playing the politics, yeah, of course. Anyway. But it's just, okay, well, that's a top level. That's a top level example, but then, you know, work it through. Like, look at us. You know, how how many times have we got to win the division we've been winning? You know, before we get the, not the respect, but the, well, arguably the respect, but the recognition for for winning, well, not provincial, freaking international level tro- trophies. Like, what's yeah. to come of that? And it has, to, it has to go all the way through. If he's at the head of it all, that has to, everything comes from the top in in, in life. So, uh, it, 
it has to filter from him all the way through to Asia Rugby and then into the into the local federation. What would Japan do now? I mean, like they need to fit into a major championship somewhere because they obviously normally do. They, they can't be a million miles. Enough. They can't be a million miles away from joining the rugby championship. No, exactly. Yeah, well, there was talk be, about them. Must have to, yeah. Oh, that'd be daft though. The well, Sunwolves, the, the, the Sunwolves would be super rugby. Be so no, they made Sunwolves have been stopped now. Oh, is it? Yeah. That, why? I think they. I, I don't know. They said they could. I think that. Yeah, and I don't. Know, I don't know all the thing, but I think with the internal league in Japan, it made, they were, the last season that they were in, they put some big, you know, results in. They put done over a few teams, but um, yeah, they need a big championship now because obviously they they compete in our competition. Obviously in the top division, they sat out through the World Cup cycle to prepare for their World Cup, and you know they played mainly just. Friendlies and they play that Pacific Cup and stuff like that, but they need, yeah, they need a, they need to be in a top championship, and it's such a big market. I mean, the, the highest, one of the highest, well, the biggest rugby game we watched was their game against. Um, well, I'm not sure if it's changed now since the World Cup, but it was the biggest ever rugby game watched was the the game that when they played Scotland after they beat South Africa in in the World Cup in 2015. Yeah, so it's just huge market there. By the way, I watched that. Um, the Miracle in Brighton film. Have you seen that? Uh, in, in it, it's, it's like proper cheesy. It's so cheesy. It's, it was. It, it, it's like yeah, it was made yeah. in Japan. Like over the awesome. top, yeah. super dramatic. Ah, oh, it was terrible. It I, I couldn't finish cheesy. it. The guy who plays um, does quite well, I think. He's that that Kiwi guy, isn't he? He does yeah, like the like, adverts. He, 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 actually, he actually does a really good job of playing Eddie Jones just like his sort of voice his demeanour and everything well you just got to be grumpy but, and you know derogatory to people yeah, and then you got proper, it proper cheesy yeah, I uh, no I wouldn't recommend it well, talking about that we have to go through us. Oh, that was one of the things I wanted to chat about was sports documentaries mate are you, are you boys watching are you boys that's watching that's a good transition that's been a good that's a well, good mate, transition you can't say it out loud now you ruined it I like you no, it was good. I've only that bit out. You boys watching The Last Dance? I'm a, I've only watched two episodes. It's class. Oh, mate. So I was saying to Kareem yesterday, I watched the latest two episodes. And I was just saying, like, the difference between, like, the so, like the top sportsmen in the world, the confidence. Mm. Just just going out on the court and just telling people, I'm going to beat you. You know, I'm better than you, literally. And believing it. Yeah. You know? I mean, you've you got to have the talent to back it up. You know, you yeah, can... I mean, yeah, you've got the talent to back up, but being that, even if, you know, going and playing, you know, our, for Lebanon or whatever, you know, I always think, all right, you know, I'm better than my opposite player, I'm better, but that just, I always get ridiculous nerves, you know. Yeah. And always, you know, doubt myself sometimes. It's just, you know, the ability to have that sheer confidence and um, just just knowing how good you are. Yeah. And I sent you that clip cage where he's like, get, he's handing out tickets. Uh, and he's like, where do you want to sit? And he's like, anywhere in the box next to God. And he's like, next to who? And he's like, God. He's like, yeah, he just give you that ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of UK, something you would say. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, well, Salim, obviously you were in the conversation when Tuma was speaking to me. But when he was telling me all this and he sent the video and I watched the doc, that part of the documentary, I was saying to him, I was like, Obviously, it's completely different level. 
But I'm like that when I'm in Lebanon. And it's, it's not from an arrogant point of view. Obviously, there's a different level between me or someone like that highest level. But when I turned, when I turned up to play in, to, turned up in Lebanon 10 years ago or whatever, you know, I was like, you know, the, the, mm. the, the big fish in the small pond sort of thing, which I never was. Like, even when I was playing here, I was always a good player, but I was never yeah. like the main go-to guy. Um, so when I went there, I knew it was, it's, uh, I knew there would be players who are bigger than me and stronger than me and will be more physical. But I knew that there'll be no one there who would have my level of skill or my understanding of the game. Just yeah, because they, went up, they yeah. were raised on it. You know, they, there's not their pedigree. They start rugby at 18, 19. And so they, so I, I developed all my, my uh, skill set or my footwork or my running game based on the confidence I had with turning up knowing that yeah, if I do that, people are still going to give me the ball and still going to give me credit because, you know, I'm better than anyone else anyway. So it, was just, it gave me more yeah. that freedom to just try things. Uh, so, but I, I was saying, like, when I if I go to a game in Beirut in, in Lebanon and it's like Beirut versus Jumhur, I know for a fact that Jumhur are thinking, oh, you know, try and stop Kareem. Kareem does the distribution, Kareem runs yeah. the team, blah, blah, blah. I know that going in. And the same playing as Junior and all that. that. But, but the, the fact that I know that they're thinking that, it gives me even more confidence because it's just like, God, yeah. it's, it's like they've already lost. Because they just think they're just so focusing on stopping me. And it, 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 I used to just love that. But having that confidence going into a, a pitch of just Beirut, on the pitch of Beirut versus Jamor is one thing. But imagine going anywhere in the world and knowing you're the best person, the best player. Like, imagine just like, like if obviously now we're talking about rugby, imagine being like Dan Carter. No, but like, you've got to you're think, walking down like, the streets of Rome. We, we might be talking, talking proper goats. What? So you're talking. Michael Phelps, you're talking Usain Bolt, you're talking Tiger Woods, you're talking you know, MJ, LeBron in the modern game, you're talking Federer. Roger Fed, um, yeah. you're talking proper goats. Correct. When they when they step into, I mean, obviously they're all yeah. fucking professional athletes and they, they'll have work ethics to back it up, I'm sure. But A, I'm sure they'll be natural God-given talents. Uh, B, they've got the work ethic and C, it will be the psychological confidence. And that's why that's why sports psychologists are even in in, prof- in the profession. Because I think it's a specific thing that relates to elite athletes that have performed at a high level for so long. How do, you, how do you psychologically get yourself going every single time? Mm. I couldn't believe his competitiveness, how he is just driving people in train and even like when he's playing golf betting betting on yeah. when he's, he's gone on about betting on the plane and he's betting for big money yeah. on one end of the plane and some of the guys on the other end like they were just playing for like one dollar and he was like but he would go over to them and was like I want to win I want to take your dollar like I don't yeah. care he, it was all about he's a winner. and he was like why, why do you want to play for us for dollars so we, and he's like so I can say I've got your money in my pocket <laughs> like it was all about competition you know it was all about winning yeah I never realised that about him. Like, I, you know, never really followed it that much. Yeah. Obviously, I know about his career and stuff. Yeah. But it was just interesting to see. Yeah, I think I think you. I think the uh, the story of his mentality and how you know how competitive he was has always been known. I never realised. Um, obviously, yeah, it's. Um, I was. Funny enough, I was just telling Tuma before we got on to leave that I was having a conversation oh, yeah, with uh, Steve Abood earlier today. It's a classic. And I was telling him about the, you know, we were talking about the uh, oh, yeah. Love talent versus day. skill thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he, uh, he shut me down. <laughs> it's not real. Um, because it, <laughs> no, it, 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 it was like, okay, we'll define talent. I was just like, uh, a natural born ability. He was like, what's ability? To do this. He was like, yeah, but, okay. I was like, well, you know, physical. I was saying Sonny B. Wilson. He was like, yeah, but that's physical prowess. He was like, what's talent about that? I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Right, right. We're not, we're not world class, you know, uh, talent development uh, officers like you are. You know, we don't look, we don't know this specifics that much. Um, but, you know, I started talking about like with the Michael Jordan documentary and, and I was like, it's crazy. It's crazy to think some of these athletes, like him, Tiger Woods, and he was like, well, not really. He said, you got to look at the psychological part of it. He was like, you know, Tiger Woods was forced, forced to play golf from the age of three or four. He was forced by his dad to hit a thousand balls or you know whatever it is every single day to be the best possible player. And he was like, and then you have to look into the psychology of his dad. Now, the psych, the psychology of his dad was probably, you know. I can I can capitalize on my son mm. if, he, if he succeeds in this sport. I he can make money. He can look after me and my wife, and he can look after himself for for the for his rest of his life and all this stuff. And then you know, once he got better and better, he he started getting. He said he was saying he started to get reward from his dad. You know, pats on the back, well done, son. And then all of a sudden he started realizing, okay, then I'm going to get more attention from my dad, the better I do. And then he started getting better and better and better. And one thing I didn't know, he said, if you notice that once his dad died and he won that last tour before when his dad died, he hasn't really won much ever since. And after that, he was like, he started looking for success in other areas by, you know, I don't know, but sleeping <laughs> with a hundred different girls and, you know, different or, you know, being going to different strip clubs because he's looking for that gratification that he was getting every so often from his dad when he was winning tournaments. And because he hasn't, hadn't had that father figure from as a proper father figure, he had to find it in different ways. And he said the same thing for like someone like Mike Tyson, who, you know, came from a different area and he, he his, bo- his boxing trainer became his like father figure who, who gave him reassurance when he did well and he t- t- taught him a new combination. He picked it up and he said, well done, Mike. It made him feel better and then he wanted to improve even more to succeed after him. And then when he died, Mike Tyson... Mate, have you seen that clip of Tyson, by the way, from the other day? Um, oh, yeah. Mate, imagine, imagine getting a little with one of them. It would full-on kill you. <laughs> Your man. Your man. Hey, listen. It's not a missed tackle <laughs> if you don't attempt to make it. What? Hey, that was mine one. Eh? The other day I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you miss 100%. When did I say that? You miss it on the group. You miss 100% of the tackles you don't attempt. <laughs> no, was, no, you uh, make 100% of the tackles you yeah. don't attempt. No, you, no, you miss 100% of the tackles you don't attempt. No, because that's a double negative. Yeah. <laughs> No, if you don't attempt a tackle, it's a, you miss it, don't you? Well, no, that's you the whole point of the, that's the, so whole point of the saying. No. So you can't miss an attempt. It's what way, it's Wayne, it comes from Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, which is bad. No, it's not. It's, 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 better, it's, it's basically saying you're better to have had a go and missed than not have done anything. Yeah, but that's and the whole miss, point. I'm trying and to they're not trying at all. He'd rather not try. 
You'd rather not do anything. <laughs> I'd rather not try. Yeah. Doesn't go down as much. Yeah, exactly. It won't look bad on his stats. Can't, can't miss yeah. it if you don't have a go. <laughs> Um, but that yeah, that documentary is class. Yeah, yeah. See, like I've watched a few of the years. I watched on yeah, uh, on Tiger Island. I watched a bit. Like, what's good about? Um, I see what's good. I've still got my Sky Sports subscription as fuck all live sport on, but it's it's doing loads of reruns on and and player docs. Um, so there's like there was one on Ronaldo uh, last night on his time sort of from Madrid onwards. There's mm-hmm. there's just been loads, and it's. It's quite insightful, isn't it? I guess into sort of the more private lives where the women are sort of doing sports documentary. Yeah, because what's like the power of marketing this podcast is if it's family friendly or not. But if you if it is, we're gonna have to start bleeping that we got sleep. Oh, mate, it's post sports shed, isn't it? It's quite unmarketable. <laughs> well, on the on the settings, it, you it says you, if it's going to be explicit, uh, explicit or not. Yeah, and I always say know. this, though, um, just in case. What what, are you, what other sports documentaries you say this? Top ones that you recommend? Living with the Lebs. Living with the Lebs. I was yes. belting that one. It. When was that? Twenty thirteen. You did that. Twenty twelve was the first How one. Was it? Yeah. Living with the Lebs. And then, um, do we do one last year? No, Tarek refused to do one because he'd only just finished the one year before, and it. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some good we've got some good footage out there. To be fair, mm. for the uh, for the for the listeners that are keen to explore who we are and how, how we get down on tour. Yeah, just just put a YouTube level on on ARC tour tour yeah, video. Come Behind the scenes footage, exclusive. Um, but there, there's um, all obviously the all or nothings. Do you watch them? It's obviously the All Blacks one. The Man City one of the NFL ones are good as well. No, I've not seen that. Oh, mate, you got to watch them. I've seen the All Blacks one. I haven't seen the, I, and I started watching mm. the Man City one. The Man City one is good. I, I don't watch any. Too American. You're too, uh, very too over American, the top of me. I don't like them. I like some of the. Yeah. Like I watched like American, because I'm an NFL fan, so I watched like a few of the Americas games where they sort of do profiles on. Some of like the great sort of teams over the, the like the last few decades and stuff. Mm. It's good. I mean, I'm just a sport fan. Do you know what I mean? Like that's one thing I would say is, I like you two. Um, anything. That's why I love the Olympics when it's on. I love the World Cup when it's on. Like, any, love yeah. the World Athletics Champs. Like anything that's on, I will watch it. Mm. Um, that's why I was, I'd love. You know, bucket list would be to uh, be a contestant on Question of Sport. Mate, what's the, I, I do the best quizzes. Well, right yeah, now. you are the the newfound quiz master within the group. <laughs> if if you could go to one sporting event, which you haven't been to yet, what would you do? Oof. Uh, yeah, football World Cup final, Olympics hundred meter final, Wimbledon or something. Well, yeah, to be fair, Wimbledon's on my bucket list to see. Um, Fed, I'd love to see no. Fed in the final on centre court at Wimbledon. Um, I've never seen Fed alive, I don't think. Uh, I think because I've seen quite a lot of live sports. Like I've seen, I've, I've seen obviously a lot of rugby. I've seen a lot of football. I've seen NFL. I've seen NBA. I've seen NHL. Um, 
I've seen athletics. Um, Not done NBA. Yeah, NBA is good. It's just super fast paced, so it's it's good. Even you know, who, did you, who did you watch? I've seen the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, Knicks. I've seen uh, the Nets. I saw them when they came and did a, a game in London because I was working with the NBA in my last job, so they got us a couple of tickets for that, which mm. was good. Um, so yeah. I've seen baseball. I've been to it. You mate, any, uh, I've been. Yankees Red Sox is the biggest sporting route. It's bigger than United Liverpool. Like it's massive. Yankees Red Sox is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, sporting rivalry in the world. Yeah. I went to a Yankee. So my friend, my cousin Pete in the states, lives and works in New York. Uh, I think he worked for I can't remember at the time if it was Merrill Lynch or Bank of America, but he had some like freaking corporate seats that um, he gave to me and uh, my other cousin Josh, and we went to um, the game. And like we were in the bleachers, which is basically like the hardcore section. So there's got guys there with the shirts off and they've got like the seat numbers, season ticket numbers like tattooed on the chest, like proper hardcore fans. Anyway, so we sat through um sat through the game and what, for those that don't know, baseball is a bit like the American version of cricket. It's quite a long game, so to speak, and little sometimes little can happen in terms of being eventful. But like what you dream of is like ninth inning, which is the final inning. Um, and some sort of home run to sort of win the win the game and it gets everyone going. And that's exactly what happened. Um Derek Jeter hit a like a, a game winning home run in the in like the in the ninth inning and it fucking went off. It was like so good. And uh, it was just a really good like good vibe and like good day out. Everyone's on the beers and stuff. It was a uh, it's a good time. Yeah, I remember I went to watch uh, the LA Dodgers play. Um, when I was in Cali, and yeah, I I can get how yeah, I can get over game. how boring it was. Honestly, it, it it's so boring, you know. But the the, the thing that I was so impressed yeah, it's about wild, is, isn't it? is um how fast they throw the ball. I was like, what the hell? Well, I first I noticed it when yeah, we were in um, say, Korea. We Remember Tombs? We, it, it, the, mm. How quick they throw yeah. the ball, mate! I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> how, how they get like how so much swing it? and swerve and whatever yeah. they throw on it. The first time the first, I went, so I went when I toured Canada under fifteens or whenever it was. Went to a Blue Jays oh, game. Yeah. That was the first time I ever got ever seen baseball what, up until we went to Korea. And yeah, like you said, first thing you just the pit, the speed of the pitches is just yeah. crazy. Yeah, cricket. For me, yeah, you said was Wimbledon, Wimbledon, yeah, that'd be. I mean, yeah. early days, I'd love to have seen Sampras because he's like my proper number one. But in the in Sampras. the modern age, Federer. So I've got Cage into tennis videos. Oh, is it? Really. How, like, how, like, you got to a pre, like, I've always said the the views they show on TV doesn't show how how quick yeah. it is. Go on YouTube and watch some of the court level. Um. Practice, like some of like Federer's practices on the Dow's practices, yeah. and it's just you're getting. A, I don't know how why they don't film TV like that, but you just get you, you get realize how quick and how hard they yeah. hit the ball. And even when you will watch it live as well, it's even more insane. Like Cage, you, you're proper into it now. When you watch those videos, well, well, yeah, you know, I I I saw a couple of those videos before, uh, like last year as well, and I I thought they were super impressive. 
But remember that guy I was telling yeah. you that I played in Lebanon, mm. the, that guy I played against in tennis? Well, so for the people, the people that don't know, so I, there was this guy at golf club who I've seen there over the last 10 years, every summer, we see each other there by the pool, we're both members and we talk every now and again. He's he's older than me, he's probably in his early 30s, uh, no, probably in his, now he's like his mid-30s to late 30s. Anyway, so one day I saw him at the club by the pool and he was carrying a tennis rack, his tennis bag. And I was like, oh, you know. And by this time, I was like playing like every other day with the ball boys. So I thought like, you know, I was getting, even though I was smashing these 12-year-olds, I was thinking that was pretty pretty decent now. Um, so I said to him, I was like, oh, you know, fancy playing? He was like, yeah, sure. You know, why don't we just go down tomorrow and have a hit about? I was like, yeah, sweet, cool. So that, after I saw him, I went down to the court to play with the ball boys again. And I told the guys that I was playing against this man. So like, good luck. I was like, why? He was like, he's very good. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, but you know, how good is he going to be? They were like, okay. So he turns up, and you can just tell. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you know those players that you see, they can have all the eyes, all the gear, but you can also see. Yeah, yeah. but he, lo- he looks like he looks like the guy who has all the gear, but he has no idea. But, but there's some people that you know he's got the gear, and he's got certain. He's got something about the gear. That he's got the right shoes, or the right socks, or the right T-shirt. That you're thinking, ah, this guy, uh, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty pro in the, the way he's the way he's carrying himself, and the confidence that he came on the court and started warming up. I was like, okay. Shit. The first forehand he hit to me, I didn't touch it. It, it just went past me. You said, what's wrong? <laughs> Three hundred miles per hour. How much supposed to hit the ball? So anyway, we 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 don't play games. He said, you know, you know, just play first to ten points. You know, we just rally against each other like they pros do in the warm up. They just, you know, you go rallying, and then all of a sudden it starts heating up on its own until someone goes goes for a good shot or whatever it is. So we did that, and after about five minutes, I was like, mate, I'm done. Like, you know, I couldn't hit anything. I couldn't hit anything. It was just too good. Um, and I was just like, wow. So afterwards, I was like, mate, you know, I was I felt I felt bad because I wasted his time. I was like, oh, you know, sorry, I thought, you know, I didn't think I was that bad. He's like, oh, no, it's okay, don't worry about it. I was like, you know, have you, where did you learn to play so good? And he, and he said that he went to the um, the Miami Academy, the, the, the U.S. Miami Academy for tennis, like, protégé sort of thing, when he was, like, 12 years old. And he was, like, in the academy with, like, Andy Roddick. Um, he said he played against Andy Roddick. He beat him a couple of times when they were in, like, in junior ranks. And then as he was, as he got older, he, he was on a few of the tournaments with Federer and stuff. And then, you know, he was, at one point, he was in the top 500 of the world. Uh, top five, sorry. Yeah, top TV, five yeah. junior, I think you have the, um, the, eight, mm. the, the top 100. Yeah, the top 100. And then you have like the, 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 the amateur 500, like the people, the, the, the people that they well, the challenger series. think are going yeah. to be the next 100 in pro or something. The challenges, whatever it's called. So he was like in the top like 500 of that when he was like 17, 18 or something. Or he was young. And then he said, you know, he had to stop because, you know, tennis is an expensive sport. And unless you're like regarded highly ranked or you've come from a lot of wealth, you can't keep doing these circuits because they, there's tournaments every week in different areas of the country, of different areas of the world. Yeah. And if you want to make money, you have Correct. to go it's to the all same, these tournaments. It's the same in a lot of sports like golf. You have to pay um, for yourself. You know, you can, you can get to be a professional in golf just by being a very diligent golfer and getting your handicap down. But then trying to make it pro and succeed and sustain yeah. at that level is really, really difficult. Really difficult. 
Yeah. You haven't played, you haven't played G- me so, yet, Cage. The point that I... <laughs> yeah, I don't need to. Um, so the point was that this guy, he left that, that sense of pro life when he was 18. And now he's like in his, in his mid-30s, he's overweight, didn't really, he just plays for fun now. And he's still got like an unbelievably ridiculous fast forehand mm. and an unbelievable serve. And it just made me think after that, like that, that night, I was just like, he stopped like tw- 15 years ago. And he wasn't even yeah, in the top ma- hundred of the kids. Like, I was about to say, imagine someone like I was say, Federer you played him. in his prime. I was about to say, you played him. Like, what? Federer will probably step on that court and beat him. Yeah, love, yeah, love, yeah. Love. yeah. Mm. Like, and it wouldn't even break a sweat. It'd be a warm up. He'd be playing. It's fun. It's it's insane. It's insane. I think you you. I think you really. I think if you if you dabble in all these different type of sports as a youngster. And you keep dabbling them as you're getting older. You'll 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 um, get the appreciation of them even more, and you'll 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 really respect these high-level athletes in whether it's tennis, golf, football, because you know to get to that level, it's it requires something special. And then to stand out and out of that level, not just be a part of it, to be like to be rated as one of the best in the world, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing I'd love to go to. I'd go ten about ten of the documentaries <laughs> written down. <laughs> the only other thing I definitely want to go to is uh, the Ryder Cup. <laughs> yeah, the atmosphere. Like I, like I say, I'm a fan of golf, and oh, yeah, the cool. atmosphere at the Ryder Cup just seems like next level, next level. And to be a, to be a player, mm. especially because golf is obviously an individual sport, mm. and the Ryder Cup's an opportunity to obviously be in the in the team environment. To be uh, to be in that environment with that kind of, you know, with those kind of crowds would be pretty fucking special. What would you want to go to, Kareem? Yeah. I can't imagine you. you haven't, I don't really know you going to many sports events. Like you didn't go to a rugby match until like <laughs> last year. <No. laughs> yeah. Um, it's not. I don't think for me it's so much about the events. It's mm. it's watching certain individuals. So I would like to watch Federer live. It doesn't matter if it's in Wimbledon or I, I you know, on the top of a building practice. in Dubai. Like it would I would be like better to watch... than a match almost. Yeah, even that. Exactly. Right, exactly. So someone like would love to watch someone like Federer. Um, I've seen I'd love Messi to play. See someone like Messi play. Yeah, I've seen him play um, with Barcelona against the United in two thousand nine Champions League semi final. We scores he scored a screamer from twenty five yards out and put him out, and we won that year. We won the championship that year. But Messi, right? But I've seen Ronaldo play many a time at Old Trafford. Yeah. And Ronaldo, to me, is still the best player in the world. Better than, even better than Messi, just because of his all-round ability to lead and carry a team. Whereas Messi's always been part of a... Generally been part of a good team. Mate, uh, Messi attracts... You know, like... Uh, I don't know. Like, it's like, like fucking magnets, isn't it? Magnets, magnets. Uh, mate, when... When he plays, all players just run to it. It's like watching schoolboy football at a professional level. Like it's like what? Yeah, you know, like in schoolboy football, where really? there's the best player on the team always is, and basically all the opposition just fucking run in and try and take him out, side tackle yeah. and tackle. You know, just basically get to him because that's the only way to stop it, stop the teams to stop that player. Yeah, that's what it was like. Messi get the ball, and it's like Fergie had said yeah. to him. Right, if Messi gets the ball, you all just have to go for him. 
And so that's all, that's what would happen. And Messi, from memory, was carrying a bit of a niggle going into that game. He still played. And um, all I remember was like everyone just trying to get into Messi and he just used to come through out, come out of it all with the ball. And it was just, that to me blew my mind that, you know, two of the best teams in the world and it was still, it was taken, it was taken down to a schoolboy type feel. Like the strategy was out the window, it was just like give Messi the ball and let him see what he can do. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what's disappointing, not disappointing, but it's sad that nowadays, you know, people, especially young lads, you know, will will think, yeah, that's normal. Like, you know, uh, Messi embarrasses 10 or 11 players on the pitch and he runs around them with ease. People don't understand that he's not just yeah. making average players yeah. look amateur. He's making world-class yeah. international football players look amateur. If you can't see, know that difference, then it's, it's wasted on you. It's, Knowing that level of greatness yeah. or whatever is in front of you is wasted because you don't appre- you won't appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's that's class. Yeah, so for me, it's like it's like that. It's Federer, it's Messi. I would I would like to have watched like Dan Carter play. Um, you know, I would like to go. You ever been to a boxing match? Cage or team? UFC fight. Um, oh, that saying that that is something I no, look forward to. No. Like a world championship, like a. Big fight. Like, I'd love to go see Fury yeah. Joshua. So I went to see, I've only been to one, and it was a relatively sort of smaller card. Yeah. It was at Kensington yeah. Olympia in London. And the headline, the who was on the main who was the main event? It was Dazzling Darren Barker. He was I think he was was he a world champ at that point? It was defending his title. I can't remember. I think it was a world championship at, and he's a north he was a North London lad. And it was proper. I, th- I think that you know. I'm glad it was like a smaller event because it gave us it gave you a proper like authentic experience. Like it's a bit of a moody set of boxing. Like you go and it's like there's a load of lads there, and then there's a load. To be fair, there's quite a lot of girls there as well, or like dolled up because it's quite for some reason. There's like a bit of a, a glamorous side to it, but basically it's just a load of boxing like boxing fans in in the crowds, and you can see it like. Because it was quite a close event, you could you could proper hear and see and feel every punch, and you could see the testosterone levels just ramping up in the crowd, as well as obviously everyone was on the beers. So it was just getting you could see and you can feel the aggression levels getting up even within the crowds. So it's no wonder when so many at so many of these boxing or UFC matches, it all starts kicking off in the crowds because like everyone's just proper pumped up. Makes mental. It's, it's like no atmosphere yeah. I've ever, you know, I've been to football yeah. matches yeah. and stuff where you see the away fans and it's getting a bit like, getting a bit like tense or whatever, and you know there's a bit of animosity, but nothing like that. Yeah, I think it's because there's actually fighting involved. So when you when you're watching someone actually hitting someone and that it's like that it's like watching a, a fight in school. You know, in the playground, and someone throws a punch and everyone just goes in a circle and you're all just waiting for the next punch to be thrown like in your shower for a fight it's, it's like that in a global and like a huge scale so you know someone if, you're, if you've got that energy and you and you're feeling like you want to be in the ring and then someone next to you is you know bumps you off yeah. and you've got a, a short fuse you're just gonna yeah. be like oh thinking that you are tyson fury and trying to throw a left hook sort of thing yeah man. 
Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, I, think, I, think that's a, I think that's a good 56 minutes, boys. Right? Good chatting, then. That's what we like. Matt, I joined your cast permanently, mate, but you know, I've got a daughter and I've got shit to do. Sorry about that. Bring me, bring me in and out as you choose. Yeah, as I guess. Get... Okay, okay, don't worry, man. Regular. Of course, you're going to be a regular guest. Cheers, mate. Once we get pro... So talk to me, is this going to be on iTunes now? What? Microphones, I'll yeah. send you one. Yeah, this, so I'll upload... I'll do uh, the I'm editing deep... for this today or tomorrow morning. So we'll do this as a separate, just a separate tomorrow. episode now, not with the... Long okay, long give me the deets and uh, I'll share it and stuff. Yeah, so I'll do a separate episode with Bob, yeah. All right, brother, it's always a pleasure. All right, sweet. All right, cool. That's good. Nice one, this brothers. is Saliba. I'm out. All right, lads. Sounds good.